Hello and welcome back to another episode of Farewell Evangelion, the Neon Genesis podcast where we go through the series bit by bit. My name is Keith, going through for his last time, and as always I'm joined by Peter. Hello! Who is going through for his first. So today we read through the 10th volume of uh, the Shinji Akari Raising Project. The synopsis of this one is, Don't say crazy, the campus culture festival is coming up for the students of Class 2A. And in manga these days, that means not only cosplay, but starting an all-girl band, but what are they supposed to do about the fact that the keyboardist, Shinji, isn't a girl? Well, that's when it's time for the crossplay. I'm just so fucking pissed off. Yeah, the, the, you this was the so one... Long. This is one of, like, three episodes where I didn't predict a culture fest, and it's the one where we get a fucking culture fest. And it didn't even give you, I... like, the wiggle room of, like, it's half the culture fest? No, it's the full culture fest. Uh, yeah, it, we had that one chapter that was setting up for the culture fest, I was reading that, and I'm like, oh, thank god. I can still predict culture fest for next time, it'd be right. But nope, they had that one chapter of setup for the culture fest, and then immediately afterward, a chapter for the culture fest. And then even to, like, keep me from having any post-culture fest wrap-up... The, like, special bonus at the end of this volume was that, uh, fun side adventures that happened during the Culture Fest. There's just no yeah. Culture Fest for me after this. Um, it's come and gone. It's fully over. And with that being said, not only do I give myself an F for this volume in my prediction, I am retroactively going back and giving myself an F for every chapter that came before this. Because every time I guessed a Culture Fest, I'm... The fact that I didn't guess it now, I'm taking more points away. I should have a negative score on this fucking prediction. I'm, I'm, the moment I saw that we were doing a culture fest, I was like, fucking Christ. And I went back and listened to my prediction from last episode. And I was like, God damn it, this is the one time I didn't predict a fucking culture fest. And then I got that momentary hope of maybe the culture fest isn't fully happening this. And then it kept fucking happening. And now I know I'm never getting a culture fest, so... Um, I, I mean, it was very I, obvious it was going to happen. It was just the, when in these 18 volumes is it going to happen? Oh yeah, 100%. That's why I kept fucking predicting it. I'm like, this is... I have watched enough Slice of Life anime slash read Slice of Life manga to know that a culture fest is 100% going to happen at some point. I just need to correctly predict when it happens, which is why it was my prediction every single time. And then, oh, the fact that I had the fucking gall to say uh, when we were... We're doing a prediction for last episode of I need to be right this time, so I'm not ca guessing the culture fest. Oh, I wish I could go back a week and slap the shit out, <laughs> shit out of myself. Oh god, I'm I'm mad. Yeah, and this, anyways, this, uh, does really highlight the fact that like they are aiming for the tropes, not trying to go random. Because even like the synopsis kind of like makes all the jokes about it. it's like, oh, what do we need for a culture festival or episode of a manga? It's like, okay, we need a maid cafe, we need an all girls band. We need a cross-dressing Shinji. Yeah, it's, they hit all the big three for a culture fest. Even the big four, if you really want to Just gonna sprinkle in some misunderstandings in there. Uh, a cafe made or cosplay or otherwise, which they had a little bit of both. Because they both had... They technically had a cosplay cafe, but they had made costumes involved. Yeah. They had... Uh, main student participates in a band as a part of the culture festival. All girl band at the culture festival, and then they wrap those two together by making all girl band and main character who is not a girl uh, by adding in main character cross dresses as a girl during culture festival. It's just all of the tropes. Now I'm, I'm going to just give you a fun little tidbit here uh, about uh, cross dress Shinji. Uh, this isn't the only storyline that existed. Oh, I'm a hundred percent sure it's not. The moment I saw cross-dress Shinji, I was like, this is something that's gonna happen more than just here. This is not the only time this happens, yeah, it's not I'm 100% sure. It's just not a Shinji Akari Raising Project trope. It happens in other stories. Yeah. Anyways, the Culture Fest doesn't happen until the end of this volume, so we should start a bit earlier with Chapter 55. Yep. Um, this is one where they do another Slice of Life classic trope. This was really kind of the tropey episode, uh, where they have a sports day. Um... Except it's not sports day at school with all the different classes competing against each other. It's uh, sports day where it is the human evolution laboratories uh, versus artificial the school. Evolution. Sorry, artificial evolution. Thank you. Yep. Artificial evolution laboratories versus the school itself uh, in a sports day type festival. It also sounded like the city council was involved at some point. So maybe there was three teams. But really, when it came down to the score, it was all school versus yeah, it was uh, the three teams, artificial uh, evolution. From what I understand, there's multiple teams in there, but those were the big. Yeah, uh, and 
there were some events that happened during this uh, uh, sports day, uh, yeah. such as the first one, which was a drag race, which the fact <laughs> that they're running on foot should raise a lot of question marks as to what they mean by a drag race, because drag races are generally done in car. And then you think, oh, what's that other interpretation of drag? Oh, right. We get to see Shinji cross-dressing a little bit before the culture festival. Uh, because just, he has just to don't wet the appetite before we get to the main just, course. Exactly, he has to change into a schoolgirl outfit and then finish the race. Um, and he doesn't win, of course. Um, but hey, we get to see Shinji dressed in a schoolgirl outfit and have all the girls react positively to him in a schoolgirl outfit. Uh, before we move on and come back to it later. Yeah, the general consensus is Shinji surprisingly cute for a girl. Yeah. Also, important to note that uh, instead of, as a group, discussing what event goes best for what participant and how to divvy up the tasks, the moment the task list is handed out, Gendo immediately snatches it, and he's like, don't worry, I'll perfectly plan out this event so we have the best people competing in the best events. Um, so Gendo is fully in charge of Shinji participating in the cross-dressing race. Well, he says, particularly, that the set of skills needed for this event are precisely Shinji's. Yeah. Uh, we see kind of like a montage of other events, like eating stuff hanging from a string, egg races, and like rolling giant balls. It's just like events at Sports Day Classic. Uh, before we get to the most classic uh, Sports Day event, which as we all know, is a three-legged race, but can't really deal with oh, we, the sexual- Damn, we already did three-legged races. How can we put another event in there that's just as good? Yeah, and we the three-legged race uh, increases the sexual tension between two characters, but we really want to increase the sexual tension between Shinji and Asuka, and at the same time, Shinji and Rei. How can we do that? I know, four-legged race. And before you say to me, a four-legged race is just two people running side by side, uh-uh-uh, it's actually three people, and the middle person is tied to both of the other two people. So, of course, Shinji in the middle, tied to both Rei and Asuka. Now, I, I don't know what the name of this game is, but it, like we see it in a lot of like the anime and manga uh, with the school festival, sports festival stuff. The one where it's the three people make the horse, and the one person rides and tries to snatch bandanas, that would have been probably a better event, because then you get to throw another character in there. We could add room for Kaoru or Mana. It's true. I do think that would have been a better event. Um, but, of course, that's just not where they were going. And also, I know exactly what event you're describing, I just have no idea what the fuck it's called. Yeah, it's like Mounted Battle or something. I'm not quite sure what it's called, though. Something like that. Uh, but the trick is... I mean, I guess uh, Mana probably would have made the best excuse, because she has participated in stuff on behalf of the Artificial Evolution Labs before. Um, Plus, it would have been funny as hell, where it's like Mana, Rei, and Asuka realize that they have to be the horse, because Shinji's too frail to carry any of them. Yeah, it's 100% them all. Well, that's how it starts off. I Actually, no, that's how it ends up. How it starts off is with Asuka declaring that all three of them will be the mounted person, and Shinji will be the horse for all three of them, because he's the boy, and that's the only thing that makes the most sense. And then they try it exactly once and end up in a compromising position, and then realize that they probably do it the other way around. Or it works out, and they're like the most horrifying, like, force on the ground. Anti-horse ever? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's entirely possible. Uh, anyways, the, uh, four-legged race, uh, goes pretty well for them. Uh, kind of. Uh, but they end up in second place, with a small margin behind the school and themselves. Let's not forget so, that, uh, Misato also has a lot riding on this. That's true. So, initially, it's just Gendo being heavily invested, and, uh, he tells the students that- or not the students, he tells the kids- that if they win, uh, he'll buy them anything they want, which you is like, that's a terrible fucking suggestion. Where are we gonna get the money for that? And Gendo kind of waves it off. And he tells, uh... Take it out of my allowance for next month. Yeah. Tells the support staff that if they win, uh, they get, uh, a free vacation day, I believe it was? Something yeah. like that? They get extra vacation days. Uh, and Misato's like, well, I have no horse in this game, so I guess I'm just here to have fun. And then Gendo turns to Misato, or not Gendo, Kaji comes up to Misato uh, and starts discussing the amount of money she owes him, and it comes to the conclusion that it's an entire month's salary at this point that she owes him. Uh, so it becomes clear that they make a double or nothing bet because she becomes heavily invested after this conversation uh, in them winning. So, 
yes, Misato has a uh, horse in the race, shall we say. Uh, no, yeah, we shouldn't. Not they didn't do the horse challenge. Yeah. So, uh, we're getting to the final event. As we said, there's a very small margin between first and second place. Uh, and Gendo realizes this is the one where they're guaranteed to win. Because the uh, last event is, uh, I believe, a princess carry race. Where uh, Gendo's going to be carrying Yui like a princess. And uh, he decides he's going to show Kaji up as payback for the baseball game. I am really uh, enjoying the rivalry that's happening between Kaji and Gendo in this. It's pretty fucking perfect, I'll be honest. So, uh, Kaji realizes they have no women on his team. Like, they have girls, because it's a school, and they have students. But it wouldn't really be fair if Gendo's carrying a woman and he's only carrying a small girl. So he asks Misato uh, to be the princess that he has to carry. Which Misato was opposed to, but then, uh, is it, uh... Well, they find out it's not against the rules, and Misato immediately starts chowing down to try to make herself heavier. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, uh, Kaeda, who's, uh... But there's no rules in the game, there's no uh, rule in the rulebook saying a dog can't play. Pretty much. Uh, and then, uh, so they start racing, and almost immediately Gendo collapses because his old baseball back injury is back. So. Uh, one thing I do want to clarify about the rule, though, uh, just because why didn't Misato just fuck over Kaji? Uh, the rules were explicit that it, where she was a volunteer for that team, that if she did anything to hinder his ability to compete, it would be a disqualification of her team. Uh, to be fair, it wasn't hinder. I just pulled up the exact page, and the line is, however, any attempt to use this for mischief, shenanigans, or hanky-panky will be strictly penalized. So it's not so much that she can't interfere, it's that she can't interfere in a sexually suggestive way, from the sounds of it. Um, but yes, I think she probably just took that as, I'm not going to interfere outside of eating any food as well. Yeah. Anyways, yes, that's the race, it's over, uh, and once again, uh, Misato can't catch a fucking break. Nor can uh, Gendo. Gendo... I mean, Gendo catches a lot of breaks. I take that back. Gendo can catch a break. Misato can't. Yeah, and just uh, everything's coming up Kaji. Yeah. Uh, so, the next chapter uh, starts off with Shinji and Asuka helping to clear clean Asuka's mom's uh, office. Yeah. And I was going to say to pay them back, but that's not what the reasoning is. Uh, so, Kyoko, is that Asuka's yeah. mom? Yeah, Kyoko, Kyoko. Zeppelin, Shuyu. Or Soryu. Sure, Kyoko. Um, Kyoko uh, gives Asuka tickets to the museum because they're doing a new show. Um, and she says to take Shinji with there, uh, take Shinji on a date there, and not only tells her to take Shinji to the museum, but also writes up an entire date plan, makes a reservation at a fancy restaurant for them to end up at, and... Uh, Tells them that they're going on... Well, she tells Asuka to take Shinji on this very elaborate date. And Asuka just goes back to Shinji and explains that she was given museum tickets uh, as payback for cleaning. And since Shinji also did half of the cleaning, uh, he should get to go as well. Which Shinji's only response was, Half fucking right, I did like all of the cleaning and you mostly just watched. But whatever, yeah, sure, I'll go to the museum with you. Uh, but Asuka makes it very clear it's not a date while constantly contemplating this date plan that has been written up for her. The thing I kind of love is uh, it's getting very kind of heavy-handed, and it almost feels like the objective of the artificial uh, lab is not to create Evangelions, but to create the perfect match for Shinji. And they're all like at this bet where they're like heavy-handed trying to get someone with Shinji. Like, obviously, Kyoko's like, oh, my daughter? The best. Natural form. Always the best way. And then we got Yui over there. It's like, I created a clone of myself because that's the best woman for Shinji. And then fucking Sile over there. It's like, we made Kaoru. And then, I don't know who invited Mana into the situation. She Mana, has a connection. Mana invited herself in. It's true, but she also has a connection to Yui as well, somehow. Yeah. Because Yui keeps allowing her to tag along on all these situations. Uh, but I wouldn't put it past Mana uh, inserting herself into this situation, but also somehow blackmailing Yui to go along with it at the same time, so that might be what's happening. Um, but yes, that is what it seems like, especially when uh, every time uh, Kyoko is in the same room as Shinji, she makes comments about how he would make such a great son-in-law and shit like that, and keeps trying to overtly set up... Uh, Asuka with Shinji for marriage. Um, which, I mean, like, solid attempt by uh, Kyoko. 
to the point where like she probably realizes Asuka is not in touch with her emotions enough to actually make the moves herself, so Kyoku's got to make roughly 50% of the moves for Asuka. Exactly. And, uh... She even goes so far as to, like, while handing Asuka this date plan, uh, very explicitly say, follow this date plan. I didn't write it into the plan, but it really wouldn't even be that big of a deal if you guys kissed, so, you know, feel free to, like, kiss a little bit during this date. Just, like, if you're feeling cool, go ahead and kiss Shinji. You're cool, right? That's what, that's what all the cool kids do, just so you know. All the cool kids make out with Shinji. Just ask Rei or Mana. Because uh, they're cool kids and they're making out with Shinji. Or, if you really want to know, ask the coolest kid around, Kaoru. He'll tell you he's absolutely making out with Shinji while Shinji's asleep. That's inappropriate. Don't make out with pe people or Shinji specifically while he's asleep. Hey, definitely don't tell Shinji about that. Definitely don't tell Shinji. Um, anyways, yeah, so they get to the date. Uh, Asuka dresses up real nice for the date. Uh, Shinji doesn't, because Shinji doesn't realize it's a date, but he still, like, looks okay. Um... And so they end up going to the museum. The entire walk there, uh, Asuka's been, like, reading this date plan and, like, trying to figure out if she's going to fall or not because it seems completely ridiculous. Uh, but part of the date plan involves, uh, while they're at the museum, making their way to a showing at the planetarium. Because with the lights off, they can have a nice romantic moment together. Um, which, I mean, way to pimp out your daughter there, Kyoko. But, I mean, it kind of works. Because without even Asuka suggesting it, Asuka in the museum is just like, fuck it, we're not going to do any of this. And then Shinji's immediately like, hey, yo, planetarium, we should uh, we should check that show out. That seems like it'd be a cool time. And Asuka starts to realize that even without putting in any effort, they're going to end up following this date plan regardless. Um, to be fair, there's at least never a lot to do at museums. Yeah. Uh, the slight problem is that uh, halfway through the planetarium showing, Shinji falls asleep, and she's like, "Oh, he looks so cute. Maybe I should stick with the plan and, like, kiss him a little bit. Um... You know, just to be cool, of course. No just to be cool, like Kaoru. Yeah. Uh, kiss him while he's sleeping, I guess. Um, and then, uh, Shinji's powers activate while he's unconscious, and he grasps, uh, Asuka's inner thigh. Um, and so she punches the shit out of him while he's asleep. And then uh, a security guard comes by and kicks them out of the planetarium show, because they're being very loud. And they're so they leave about to make out, and that's a no-go yeah. in the planetarium. It's about science. Not unless you're Kaoru. <laughs> Kaoru has a free pass to make out with Shinji wherever he is. Um, well, that's what he gets for being the coolest. It's true. That's one of the many benefits of being the coolest kid at uh, whatever that school is called. Tokyo 3 Junior High, probably. Anyways. I thought it was the Marmaduke school for what we talked about. No, the Marmaduke Institute's the one that finds more children to make out with shit. That's not Isn't entirely it? wrong, honestly. <laughs> if you look at if you look at it statistically, that's pretty much yeah. what they were doing. That's pretty much what they were doing. Because um, my understanding is, like, they might have claimed the Marmaduke Institute found Shinji, but, like, it's very clear that no Marmaduke Institute was involved with Shinji. Uh, Shinji's dad invited him to come hang out. Uh, anyways, it probably used the explanation of the Marmaduke Institute pointed out that Shinji was a third child. Equally capable of standing in the bathroom alone and making out with himself in the air. Um, but you're yeah, the so, human that we're trying to evolve to. Yeah, he really is. Uh, he doesn't need other people. Fuck the hedgehog's dilemma. Um, so I am Shinji, the hedgehog. I am the dilemma. <laughs> so... Uh, after getting kicked out, Shinji's like, alright, cool, we should probably go back. And Asuka's like, no! Uh, we have a plan, except we're not following a plan. We don't have a plan. What's a plan? Uh, let's just go, like, hang out in the park. And then she realizes that their dinner reservation isn't for several hours, and the only step of their plan that takes place between the museum and the dinner reservation is the park, which is a very non-specific detail, and she even, like, mentally calls out Kyoko of, like, what the fuck are we supposed to be doing in the park for several hours? Well, that's for all the kissing. Yeah, of course. I was gonna say, like, Asuka doesn't understand, but Kyoko is very clear about what happens in the park for several hours. Uh, you kiss, because it's not a big deal. Uh, I promise. Winky face. So, Asuka gets flustered and tries to figure out how to pass time. But she also thinks about how if this were a date, this would be the point where they'd be holding hands. Uh, but can't bring that to terms with the fact that she just punched the shit out of Shinji for trying to hold a different part of her body. Oh, she'll make Shinji hold hands, all right. <laughs> um, so they end up hanging out by a fountain, 
And then as she's getting up to walk away, the date plan falls out of her pocket, and Shinji starts reading it, and he's like, Yo, Asuka, what the fuck is this? And so Asuka tackles him into the fountain. You're trying to, to put me paper. into a secret date like Kaoru did last week? <laughs> you're trying to date me while I'm unconscious like Kaoru does every Um, So Shinji explains that it's all cool, we good, we friends, but Asuka's too busy tackling him into a fountain to listen. So they both get soaking wet, and Shinji has to go buy new clothes for them. Except it's not fancy date clothes anymore. It's just like casual, like t-shirts and pants. That's that pretty cool, shit. though. It is pretty cool. He's been hanging out with Kara a lot, so Kara's probably been rubbing off. And not just physically, but also, like, emotionally. Um, fuck, that was an inappropriate joke. I'm sorry, <laughs> that was bad. No, I, I mean, like it happens, like it happens in a hospital room in the original anime. <laughs> Say like that inappropriate. I, I do like the term uh, emotionally rubbing off on somebody though. <laughs> Metaphorically is the word I was looking for, but emotionally is where I can. <laughs> so, sure, fair enough. So they um, end up uh, discussing the fact that the date's clearly over. Chinji's like, but wait, that date plan that I promised I wasn't reading, but definitely like caught a glimpse of mentioned dinner reservations, so shouldn't we still go get dinner? And Asuka's just like, no, because that money you just spent on clothes, that was our dinner renovation money. Reservation, not renovation. <laughs> that was our uh, dinner renovation. Fucking fuck. That was our dinner reservation money. Uh, so we can't get dinner anymore. And she's like, I'll tell you what, you treated me to this nice time at the museum, I'll treat you to dinner. And then... This great night at the museum. <laughs> yeah. Shinji, why are you looking directly into the screen at that one? Shinji, who's Ben Stiller? Why do you keep talking about Ben Stiller? The night at the museum. It was a great time. We saw Ben Stiller. And also, um... Rami Malek was there. Rami Malek. He was there the second time we had a night at the museum. Wait, was Rami Malek in the first one? No, uh... Wasn't the second one the one with the pharaoh? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, um... He decides to take her out to, uh... Subway Sandwiches. Uh, winky face at the camera. And she's like, Man, why the fuck are you treating me to dinner if we're just gonna go to a place like this? And Shinji's like, Well, I couldn't get you to, like, some fancy Italian place that serves, like, a special, special fancy Italian meal. But I can't get you, uh... Italian uh, meatball sandwich sub, only five dollars for a foot long. It's the best and very filling. Uh, and Oscar's like, I wish you'd give me a foot long. And then Shinji's like, What? And she's like, What? And then they um, move on with their day. I think Oscar also calls out the fact that like Shinji's a good enough cook that he should have just made her dinner and it would have been more cost effective and better quality. That's right. um, which is a good point, Oscar. Way to raise up the fact that Shinji. Is being in uh, inefficient with his food providing services, and then they almost make out on the floor of a fast food restaurant because Shinji's harem powers activate. And then Oscar catches herself at the last second, and she's like, "No, we're not going to make out on the floor of a fast food. Sorry, not a fast food. It's very specific. A we're subway. not going to make out on the floor of a subway sandwiches." Um, and so she slaps him in the face and runs away, and that's the end of their date. Classic date ending. Classic date ending. Uh, leaning over top of a girl on the floor of a Subway Sandwiches uh, fast food restaurant, and then getting slapped in the face while she runs away. That's how 90% of my dates end. It's also how 10% of my dates begin. Um, what a world we live in. What a world we live in. This next one is the chapter where Ray gets sick. This is another classic slice of life uh, trope. In fact, it's a slice of life we've already kind of seen with Shinji getting sick and Rei yeah. taking care of her, but it's the classic follow-up where anytime you have that in a slice of life, you have to have a later chapter where the original take care uh now gets sick and the person who was taken care of has to now take care of them to pay them back and, like, rebalance the scales of life because uh, slice of life anime is all about how things remain fair and balanced in all ways, shapes, and forms. And we can only hope that they've somehow hidden all the books. Yes. Uh, so... Ray's sick, and Yui explains that her and Gendo are going out of town for a business trip, uh, and so they won't be there tonight, 
but she'll make sure to call Misato and ask Misato to take care of her. Which, you gotta think at this point, Yui understands Misato well to understand. She calls Misato and asks Misato to take care of Rei. She's really calling Misato and asking Misato to ask Shinji to take care of Rei. Because Misato is not responsible enough to take care of herself, so how can she be responsible for another human life? Not to mention, she uh, keeps just dodging all of this responsibility every time it comes up. Yeah. So, uh, Misato announces to the class that Rei is sick and she isn't in today. So, uh, Shinji's like, yo, what's going on with that? And Misato's like, I'm going over after school today to take care of her. Do you want to tag along? And Shinji's like, Misato, why'd you like, talk with that tone? That was a super fucking weird way of phrasing it. Are you implying something? And then Misato was like, the only thing I'm implying is I'm plying beers into my mouth later, you take care of her instead of me, I'm using an excuse of a meeting, I won't be... Um, she has a backflip out the window and she's giving him the double finger? Yeah. Uh, like, that was a joke, she obviously doesn't say that, because, uh... Yeah, it was too much beer in her mouth. Ritsuko walks past and is the one who mentions to Misato that she has a meeting so she can't make it. Um, but I'm pretty sure the meeting was only, like, five minutes and quick check-in, and then Misato, uh, the moment she had that five-minute excuse, she, uh, cracked open three beers, chugged them all simultaneously, and then backflipped out a window while giving Shinji the finger. Oh no, now I can't drive. Oh no, I'm too drunk. <laughs> uh, so Shinji goes over to Rei to take care of her, uh, and Rei answers the door, and sees Shinji, and she's like, you're not fucking Misato. Also, this is your home, by the way. Why the fuck did you make me, a sick person, get out of bed and let you into the building? <laughs> and Shinji's like, well, I'm a sadist, that's why. That is a good point. Um, he, this is his home. And he's, yeah. been, he's been kicked out. By, <laughs> so by his loving parents. It's also a kind of situation where slightly later in the chapter, Shinji makes a comment of, this is the first time I've been in your room. And, like, maybe it's the first time you've been in this room while it's been considered her room, but this was your host for the longest time before she lived there. There is no way she'd ever been in this room before. So just the way you say it seems fucking like you're lying to me, the audience, right now. Anyways, uh, Ray, upon realizing Shinji's there, uh, also realizes she's wearing way too much clothes. And does a quick change into slightly thinner clothing so she can talk to Shinji. Um, you gotta build up that tension. Yeah. She explains to uh, Shinji that she's not that sick, and Shinji's like, oh, that's cool. Uh, I let guess me I'll just, just like, leave then. Real quick, let me just like uh, fondle your forehead since you're healthy, and that's what I do to healthy people. And then he realizes she's not 100% better, and then, I don't know how to put this delicately, but Ray gives as implicit a no as possible. Like, she doesn't explicitly say no to Shinji at any point, but... She keeps physically holding up a blanket between them and saying, get away from me. So I think it's pretty clear that Shinji is overstaying his welcome by a very large margin. Oh, well, we learned that uh, about Shinji from End of Evangelion, as you pointed out earlier. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Shinji's an inappropriate person. Um, so he decides to make her dinner to give himself an excuse to stick around longer. In his uh, own goddamn house! Yep. He... Uh, and the dinner he makes her is just sliced and peeled apples. Like, Shinji, you're capable of cooking actual food. If you're going to take care of a sick person, make them actual goddamn fucking food, Shinji. Um, yeah, so, Shinji had, like, a minor stroke into this one. Yeah. I mean, he definitely did, because this is also the one chapter where I can say Shinji's use of hero powers, he 100% took advantage of and intentionally used them. Uh, but I don't even think it was... I don't even think it was him using harem powers. I think it was him being a pervert. Um, so, uh, Shinji asks if she remembers taking care of him when he was sick, and then she remembers the kiss when he got booked in the back of the head, and then tries to create a uh, indirect kiss situation, where uh, he bites an apple, and then she bites the other half of the apple, and then they're both supposed to touch the apple. So it's kind of like a kiss, but indirectly. Um... And that was already weird, but then instead well, of... It's weirder, because they both just kissed an apple then. Yeah. And which is already kind of weird. Uh, but then instead of putting the apple in her mouth, she drops it down her clothes. Not intentionally, obviously. 
but like she does and then you're just left thinking of like if she considered putting an apple that shinji bit into her mouth an indirect kiss then what is shinji's mouth doing right now dear god but shinji stop of... for the love of god shinji stop <laughs> don't think too fucking hard about it i guess um and so the entire she just time gets, gets like fucking shinji in court yeah so and when you... no sir it was an apple yeah right it was also, it's important to note that um, this is the point when Shinji starts intentionally being a pervert because when the apple falls down her shirt, she makes a comment about how the apple fallen under her shirt and is touching her in weird places and keeps sliding lower and lower. And then Shinji leans over her, gets real close, and says, is there anything I can do about it? And Shinji, she was just standing up walking around. She can fish a piece of apple out from underneath her own fucking clothes. Fuck all the way off right now, Shinji. <laughs> or better, just do the old classic stand up and shake your leg. Yeah, really, though, Shinji. Fuck entirely off right now. Um, so... Shinji ends up apologizing once he realizes that he's being incredibly inappropriate. Uh, and decides he's uh, going to leave because he got a call from Misato, and Misato was no longer coming, which, I mean, she was never coming in the first place, Shinji, yeah, it was but a, whatever. never a debate. Yeah. Uh, so Shinji ends up leaving, and then shortly after he leaves, uh, Rei ends up thinking about the fact that she's just had a slimy apple all over her body, uh, so she should probably change her clothes, including her undergarments, because she's also been sweating all day. Uh, and then immediately after leaving and telling her he's leaving... Uh, he doesn't do the thing he did when he first got here and knocks on the door. He just lets himself in this time and turns around and opens her bedroom. Oh, uh, Ray, I just remembered. This is my house. Well, it's... Oh, Ray, you weren't at school today. I brought you school notes, which why didn't you fucking bring them up at the first time? But sure, maybe you forgot about it. It's for the but misunderstanding. He opens the door, sees her mostly fucking naked... And this is the part where he goes the furthest into it's no longer using harem powers, it's just him being a pervert. Because after opening the doors, mentioning that uh, he has her school notes if she needs them, seeing her entirely naked, she stands there, stares at her for a couple seconds, and then says, So, do you want my notes? Like, no, Shinji, fuck right off. Every other time he has stumbled into a situation where someone is changing clothes, he immediately turns around, closes the door, tries to run away from her. This one fucking time when the girl is not in the best space mentally because she is sick, he just decides to stand there and fucking leer at her. My god. He's becoming desensitized to his own powers. It's it's awful. Even the chapters after this, it goes back to being like uh, unintentional harem powers, but that one fucking chapter, unequivocally, Shinji is the creepiest he is in this entire series, at least so far. I don't know, maybe he gets fucking worse later. 10. As of Volume 10, this is the creepiest he's ever been. And unfortunately, Asuka is not there to kick the shit out of him, because this is one of the he would 100% deserve to have the shit kicked out of him by Asuka. But then again, given that he would 100% deserve it, if Asuka was there, she might actually fully kill him, so maybe for the best that he's not there. Or she's not there. He is there. Unfortunately. Also, uh, fun fact, I've been... So, to give myself little notes to, like, keep track of uh what happens in the chapter i just give each chapter like a subtitle in my notes so i can remember the basic plot of the chapter um and so for instance on chapter 56 my subtitle was just shinji and asuka go on a terrible museum date my subtitle for chapter 57 was ray is sick dot 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 shinji is far sicker and i'm standing by that that's 100 percent fucking happened uh, anyways, next chapter is all about that after-work dinner party type thing, uh, and then some other stuff happens. Um, because they're planning a, like, dinner party, well, not really a dinner party, what, I don't remember the exact word, but they're eating food at the lab yeah. after hours, uh, to kind of celebrate that all the hard work they've been doing. Is it uh, also kind of, uh, I might be thinking of the other one, but isn't it to also celebrate, like, Gendo being fully back? And, uh, um, Akagi joining? Akagi is joining. Um, also Kyoko is, uh, kind of the one who suggested it. And so it's largely to do with her taking time to leave her lab and come hang out with everyone else. (laughs) That rare time when Kyoko works her way out of the lab. Yeah, that's actually the most deserving of celebration thing here. Um, 
So the three children are given the task of going to the deepest depths of this lab and finding Kyoko. Uh, and rather than taking the normal path that they all understand how to use, Asuka stumbles across a uh, auxiliary hallway that's for authorized personnel only and decides we're immediately going to open this door and start sprinting through the hallway. Asuka, unlike other... Asuka's the type of person in a horror movie that says, let's split up. Yeah. Uh, also, unlike other hallways, which are... Um, you know, linear and a hall. Uh, this one is a labyrinth. They call it a hallway, but it is objectively a maze. Um, to the point <laughs> where later on, Gendo's talking about the maze to Yui, and he comments on how he got lost. Uh, and Yui makes the comment of, you designed it. Also, didn't you say the maze shouldn't only be physical, it should also be a metaphorical maze? Um, so yeah, it's just objectively a maze. On all levels, what they're going through here is a maze. Uh, they start to realize they have no fucking clue how to navigate this maze because, you know, it's a maze. Uh, and Shinji's like, we should go back. And Asuka's like, alright, lead the fucking way back then. And Shinji's like, I don't fucking know how to get back. I was paying like, attention. Asuka's like, you think I was fucking paying attention? I was trusting one of the responsible people here to pay attention. And then Shinji points out the fact that the only responsible person here is no one. Uh, so of course they got fucking lost. And then they hear creepy sounds coming from above them. Who do you think those creepy sounds are, Keith? Um, Shinji. Shinji's one of the three people who hears the creepy sounds. I think it could still be Shinji. I mean, you're not entirely wrong. It is Shinji's father. So, you know what? Partial credits. You get a B+. Uh, Gendo comes down through the ceiling, because he's also been crawling through. These are still child-sized vents, but don't forget, Gendo has special abilities where he can fit through child-sized vents. And he topples down on top of them and explains that this is for authorized personnel only. And what the fuck do these children think they're doing? He never gets an answer. They just put us lost. Yeah, so he says they should go back. And they're like, cool, we don't know how to. We're lost. And then Gendo's like, well, that's not a huge problem. Because guess what? I'm also fucking lost. I have no idea how to navigate this place. Thus leading to our later conversation where Gendo explains that it's just a physical maze, but also a metaphorical one. Um, so they put an emergency alert throughout the entire building, knowing that if they set that up, Yui will immediately call Gendo about the emergency alert, and then uh, Gendo can explain, oh, I'm the one who set out the emergency alert, I'm lost, please help. So That's Yui navigates... Yeah. So, Yui navigates them uh, back to the room they started in, um, and then... Uh, I think Misato has finished what she was doing, so her and Yui go down to get Kyoko since Gendo and the children clearly cannot be fucking trusted. Uh, At one job. Yep. And now we get into uh, some more of the weird stuff that this series has been known to provide. I mean, it's not weird that it happens. It's weird that they decided to make it most of the chapter. Uh, and that's... Uh, the children decide that they want to take baths. Oh wait, no, Misato isn't going down, because Misato's taking baths with the children. Because the children decide they were walking through that weird dusty hallway, and now they're covered in dust, and they want to take baths. Um, and so they all get into the shower, except not Shinji. Shinji's in another room, obviously, because they're all women, and he's a not-woman. Except for brief times during field day and, uh, culture festivals. Or so... He's arguably the cutest woman. Where he is arguably the cutest woman, you're correct. So, uh, the girls hang out in the showers, they talk about stuff, um, they, I think they talk about how the showers there are better than anywhere else. I kind of forget exactly what they talked about because, uh, Ray keeps getting, uh, treated inappropriately, except this time it's not Shinji treating her inappropriately, it's Masato groping the shit out of Ray and talking about boobs are starting to come in. And she's maybe going to have a growth spurt. Um, and that makes Ray uncomfortable. And so Ray's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm leaving. And right as she starts to say that, uh, Yui and Kyoko uh, walk in. And they're like, you're not going anywhere. We're having mother-daughter time, Asuka and Ray. And then Asuka and Ray end up washing their backs. And the we're having team... mother-daughter time and mother-clone time. Uh, meanwhile, the uh, two... Uh, girl characters are being thoroughly embarrassed by their mothers. Mother slash clone source. Classic. 
So, cut from that to the actual dinner event happening, and Trinity's in a great spirits. It's like, this is going to be a great time. Meanwhile, everyone else feels some level of uncomfortable. Um, Starting to become the status the... quo, kind of, for the, the series. Yeah. And that's that chapter, and now we're on to the part that made me sad. Um, specifically the culture festival. Prep, and then execution. Uh, culture fest time. So, we start off the Culture Fest preparation um, with Toji and Kensuke very clearly plotting something. As they do. They kind of always are, honestly. And they make it clear they do not need women for what they're plotting. If they can get every single one of the boys on board, their plans will work. Um, and so, it's not made explicitly clear what they're planning at first, uh, all we know is that it has to do with the Culture Festival coming up. And then we see the results of the vote for what their class is going to do for the Culture Fest. And the boys' vote has clearly won by an overwhelming margin. Yeah, they because... got the Cosplay Cafe at 12. And I want to just point out the other options here were Yakisoba Restaurant, Haunted House, and then fucking Hikari put down College Prep. The best part is College Prep didn't get a single vote, meaning Hikari didn't even vote. She saw the writing on the wall of... Cosplay Cafe is going to get all the boys' vote. I need to make a sacrifice and vote for either Haunted House or Yakisoba Restaurant to try and keep them from winning. But because the girls divided their votes between those two things, Cosplay Cafe ended up winning. The worst part is, because of the numbers, you can even see that if the girls had have coordinated like the boys did, Yakisoba Restaurant would have won, because there was 13 votes that weren't for the Cosplay Cafe and only 12 for the Cosplay Cafe. So, if the girls had have coordinated, they would have fucking won their vote, but they didn't. Uh, and so, they lose. And the best part is, um, after, as the vote's being tabulated, like, Hakari goes up to Misato and is like, Is this okay, Sensei? This, this feels wrong. And Misato's just like, No, this is a good lesson in democracy. Stupid people often win. And that's... Damn, she ain't wrong. Not... It's not wrong, and it's very hurtful. Um, so, while the boys start planning that, uh, Mana grabs Shinji, and she's like, Shinji, can we talk privately? Uh, and then she shows him a piece of paper, and Asuka peers over their shoulders to see what the piece of paper is, and Mana's like, oh, are you interested in what we're talking about privately? And Asuka's like, no, I mean, yes, I mean, no. I mean, I'm not interested in talking about it here. We should talk about it very privately. Let's go up to the roof. And then they go up to the roof, and it finds out this is that part we were talking about where there's going to be an all-girl band. Since it's not an all-girl band, Shinji's involved in the all-girl band. So it's a uh, three girls and one boy band. Um, where they're going to do music for the festival. With Shinji playing the cello and Mana singing and the other two being present. That you know, doesn't like, last very long. Like how the bands normally happen. Yeah. Um, at first, Ray is not on board with uh, participating in a band because she's not very musically inclined. And then Asuka pulls her aside and she's like, no, no, I'm going to put this very plain and fucking simply for this. Listen to the words coming out of my mouth. If we do not join this band right now, every day after school, Shinji's going to be spending one-on-one -on -one preparing to participate in this musical show. Is that what you want? Do you and remember what I warned you about with Kaoru? Remember how we stopped that? Remember how we worked together to defeat a greater evil in the form of Kaoru to keep Shinji on the straight path? Uh, we need to work together again, except now it's not the straight path we're concerned about. Uh, we need to keep him off of the slut path, because that's what that path is. And then she gestures towards Mana while she's saying that. Uh, and Rei agrees to join the band, with the caveat that Misato adds in as soon as the Culture Fest is over, breaking up the band, and by breaking up the I mean, we're breaking up those two and keeping them physically as far apart as possible at all times. As we've been doing uh, for most chapters. As we have been doing for most chapters. So, uh, that's what's going on with the band. We return to the classroom and find out that Kensuke and Tochi have been uh, thinking very specifically, not only about the cosplay cafe, but the unique qualities of each girl and what uniform will best bring out those qualities in the girl. Uh, and trying to plan out the perfect cosplay cafe. So they're really putting a lot of work into this. 
It's just for perverted reasons, so that's fair, I suppose. Uh, for instance, I I believe the workshopped ideas are um, Ray being just like full-on English maid, and then Asuka being like a fiery wizard or something like that. But I think that idea ends up getting scrapped. And by I think, I mean it does, because I know where they end up with Asuka. Um, it's not as cool as a wizard. It's not as cool as a wizard, it's not. Uh... Although, to be so, serious, she's, like, at best barbarian. Yeah. She might be a fighter. I yeah, Considering how many attacks considering how many attacks she gets in on Shinji, I'm willing to bet she's a fighter. Before he even gets to react, of course. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. She's, like, some sort of, like, 21st level fighter, because she's, like, constantly action surging against him. That is nerdy. I'm sorry. Let's stop. <laughs> um, uh, so, go back to band prep. Where we kind of don't follow what's going on with preparation for the cosplay cafe. We're too focused on preparing for that band performance. Uh, and we find out that uh, while Asuka initially claimed the role of lead vocals, uh, there's a fight between her and Mana where they fight over who should get to do it. Shinji brings up the idea of let's do a three song set and each of the girls will get to sing. And Ray's like, why the fuck are you roping me into this? I had no intention of time ever keep me the fuck out of this and so oscar's like oh well shinji's like i will think of some solution then i guess and oscar's like oh the obvious solution i'll sing two songs mana will sing one and like i can see why oscar landed on that being the obvious solution i don't know why shinji didn't immediately just pare it down to a two song set which each with each one of them singing a song but that's it is what it is, I guess. I think there was something briefly mentioned that they needed three songs anyway, so that might have been it, but... Yeah. I don't think that is the case, because they only end up performing a single song. That's also they... true. <laughs> so... After uh, after another team falls out, too, when there's arguably more time. Yeah. Uh, so they end up uh, spending some time practicing instruments, so... Uh, let's think about this. Shinji plays the cello. The obvious instrument he's going to end up playing is the keyboard. Um... Oscar, it's not that far-fetched to go from cello to keyboard. It's not, especially where he has had uh, piano practice in the past. So, like, his kind of makes sense. Uh, we find out Mana's on drums, and apparently Mana is an ace on the drums. So, fully on, fully on board with that happening. And then Oscar uh, declares herself uh, guitar, and then says that she always gets the bass vibe uh, from Ray, at least in comparison to bass versus guitar. That is true. Which... Is, that's not, there's nothing I, wrong about that statement. No, there's there really isn't. It's it's kind of solid. Um, the one slight issue is that neither one of them has any experience playing guitar or bass, uh, but that's fine anyways. So they spend the next couple days uh, practicing, getting ready for the event. Uh, Mana ends up picking out a song that's pretty easy and also her favorite song. So she's just like, all right, cool. Oh, actually, before this happens... Um, Ray and Asuka talk to... Was it Ioba? Oba. Oba. Uh, talking to Oba about preparing for the uh, event and getting his uh, permission to practice with the instruments and maybe getting some training from him. And then after getting his permission, they walk back into the bathroom to see Shinji on top of uh, Mana in <laughs> a compromising position, which Shinji tries to explain that it's not actually a compromising position. His harem power is activated unintentionally. And Mana's fair, response... Mana might have actually done this intentionally, too. Yeah, because Mana's response when uh, Shinji starts to explain what happened is, Oh, I knew it was wrong, but don't all women dream of being ravaged by Shinji-kun? Uh, kun, kun, kin... It's Shinji... Shinji-kun. Kun? Kun, was it? Yeah. Shinji-kun. Alright, cool. Um, all, don't all women dream of being ravaged by Shinji-kun? Um... Uh, to which Shinji's response is, they do? Um, <laughs> Carol bursts in the room and is like, how dare you leave me out of this? Yeah, uh, so Shinji gets the shit kicked out of him, obviously. Um, he later on goes on to explain what was happening, where she was carrying like 12 CDs and uh, started to trip and fall, so Shinji decided to catch her. And then Mana's and... like, CDs nuts! You know, with that description... Um, I kind of am on board with what you said about Mana set up this entire situation. 
and it wasn't 100% on purpose on her part, because, like, yeah, carrying a sack of things can be tricky, but, like, 12 CDs, CDs are, like, compact, almost like that's what the C and CD stands for, is compact. Um, Plus it's one so of those big zipper cases. So it just, like, it's not the kind of thing where she was, like, holding something awkward or heavy. It was a very easy task for her to carry 12 CDs. So her tripping and falling was very much on purpose, now that you mention it. So, good catch. Uh, and Oscar responds with, uh, what fucking excuse are you going to use in the future, Shinji, when physical media is dead and everything's streaming, like Spotify? <laughs> um... So anyways, they decide to start watching everyone on Netflix and Disney Plus. Yeah. What are you going to do when Netflix is all of Neon Genesis Avon? What are you going to do then? Uh, and Shinji starts asking The year is 2014. We don't have streaming yet. Did we not have streaming in 2014? No, we definitely did. Okay, I was going to say, that feels wrong, Keith. <laughs> but they don't. Uh, that's true, they don't. And they still have physical media. I mean, um, I still have physical media. I can, I can see CDs from where I'm sitting right now. I can see these nuts! Ha <laughs> Got him! Oh no, now oh. I got harem powers! Um, Alright, sorry, I had to put my pants back on so I could no longer see these nuts. That's Anyways, uh, they start practicing music. Because Mana picked out the song, she's going to be living, le singing lead vocals. Uh, which Misato gets real pissed about, and she's like, no, I should sing lead vocals. And then she's like, what if you, because this is Mana's favorite song, what if you picked out your own song? Um... And then you could sing that song. And Mana very wisely brings up, we are barely going to have time to learn how to play a single song. We do not have time to learn a second song. Also, Shinji, you were very stupid earlier when you recommended learning three songs. I just couldn't attack you in that moment. I needed to defend all of your ideas. But now that we're separate and I have a chance to sing out loud and force you to listen to me, uh, we're not learning any new songs. And Shinji's like, that's a very good point. I 100% side with me, uh, Mana in all situations. I just don't know how to tell Oscar that without getting Oscar to beat me up. And so Ray pipes there up. There is no way to tell her that without getting beat up. Yeah, uh, but Ray pipes up and is like, hey, you, shut the fuck up. Let's just uh, learn this song and. I hear the rock! Out. Let's figure this shit out later. Uh, which they do. Uh, the plan they end up coming up with to appease Oscar is uh, the two girls, Mana and Oscar, are just gonna sing together. It'll be a duet type situation. Uh, yeah, a duet. So they um decide to do that, and they continue, and we kind of uh, montage them learning instruments until day of the culture festival. So, time for culture festival, time for fun for everyone, uh, except not fun for uh, Mana because unfortunately Mana has lost her voice. Classic move. Yeah. Classic move. So Mana but can't the show sing. must go on. Oscar's like, you know what? This is perfectly fine. I'll just sing solo. I've been practicing this entire time to sing solo. And then uh, Mana's like, actually, we shouldn't do that. I do not like the idea of Oscar getting all the attention. Ray, you got to sing my part. And Ray's like, I never wanted to sing. Why do you keep people keep trying to make me sing? I want no part of this singing situation. Um. And then Shindy, hearing those three stances of Ray wants nothing to do with sing singing, Asuka's perfectly willing to sing solo, and Mana wants Ray to sing. Shinji's like, uh, fine, I'll sing then. No, Shinji does the only reasonable thing. And once again, does Asuka dirty by fully siding with Mana? And is like, you know what, Mana's right. Ray, I don't care if you don't want to sing, you have to sing. Uh, it's the only way this is going to work. So, Ray, you're singing. Asuka, you're letting Ray sing. Mana, thanks for participating. Um, so, Ray now has to sing, but she gets real nervous up on stages, and she's like, what? Just pick one person. She's like, what the fuck does that mean? She's like, just pick one person out in the audience, or I don't know, guests on stage is also Imagine fine, them naked. Pick one person, imagine them naked, and then sing to that one person. Sing loudly enough that they realize that they're naked clothes back on. Or, you know what? Don't even imagine them naked. Imagine one person cross-dressing as a girl. I mean, or a boy. You're, you could sing to a girl. But, theoretically, if you're singing to a boy, imagine one boy in the audience or on stage, uh, if there are any boys on stage. And then imagine that boy dressed as a girl, and then sing to that one boy. 
do that for me, Ray. Gee, Shinji, that's really specific. Don't worry about it. <laughs> exactly, Ray's like, that's a weirdly specific situation you've created for me, but I guess I'll do it. I'll sing to a boy on stage who is cross-dressing. I mean, I'll imagine a cross-dressing thing to him. And Shinji's like, don't worry, babe, I got your back. And then he winks, and she's like, Shinji, please stop talking to me, you're making me uncomfortable. This um, is seven chapters now, I've been uncomfortable about you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> please, just leave me the fuck alone. Um, so we get to, uh, the cosplay cafe, and, of course, Toji whips out not only individual outfits for every single girl in class, but they all seem to be, like, perfectly tailored to fit the girl's body perfectly, which, Toji's been paying a lot of attention to the girl's class, I guess. Um, also, very sly of Toji, of, uh, the girl he's kind of in a relationship has the least revealing outfit in that she's wearing a shrine outfit, um... Like a robe, I guess the word would be. Uh, Misato, who is not even a part of the class, she's the teacher, but is still involved in this now, and she's wearing a sexy police officer outfit. And then uh, Ray is still wearing her maid costume, but it's a slightly more revealing maid costume. And Asuka is wearing a bunny girl costume. Way to go, Asuka. Yeah, there's one key thing you're forgetting here. Shinji's also wearing a costume now. Well, actually, no. The thing is, Shinji's not wearing a costume. And that's a problem, because none of the boys are wearing a costumes, And that's not really fair. It was a whole Class 2A group uh, doing a cosplay cafe. Why aren't none of the boys wearing costumes? And Toji explains, oh, it's very simple, babe. And then he winks and slaps her ass. And he's like, us boys are going to be in the back room cooking, so there's no point in us wearing costumes, because no one's going to see us. And then everyone's like, we need Shinji to wear a costume. And she's like, there aren't going to be any costumes that fit me. Uh, yeah, also, why like, deal. <laughs> also, why specifically does it have to be me? And Shinji's, uh, Toji's like, too bad, buddy. You're already going to be... For that matter. Um, and Shinji's like, please, no. And then Mana's like, you know what? We don't have a costume. But I bet you'd fit very slenderly and tightly into my uniform and press up against your naked body. And Shinji's like, please stop talking that way. Uh, and then they get a wig from the drama club, and Shinji dresses up in Mana's clothes, wearing a wig as a girl the entire time. And he is the fucking star of the culture fest the moment he does that. Which, I mean, is pretty actual uh, classic slice-of-life thing, where the moment boy dresses up as girl, uh, all the kids on school, girls are like, who's this new cute girl? And all the boys are like, man, who's this cute new girl? I could... I could see myself uh, debasing myself to get her attention, um, which is pretty much what happens to Shinji. So all of the students are very into this uh, strange new girl because she's just wearing a normal uniform, but they've never seen her before. Uh, so that's what's going on there. And then Ray calls out to Shinji and she's like, Shinji, we should like practice that song. You know, that thing we've been doing for two weeks. Do it again real quick before we go on stage. And she's like, you know what? That makes a lot of sense, babe. Let's do that. And then Toji winks and slaps Shinji's ass. And he's like, Tell the prof I'm saving you for him. And Shinji's like, uh, it's me. And he's like, ah, oh, prof! <laughs> oh. Um. Honestly, I'm a little bit surprised that, uh, Toji didn't say something creepy to Shinji, not realizing Shinji. Bro. I, I mean, that the fact seemed... that Toji is aware that it's Shinji from the beginning, I think, robbed us of that potential. That's true. If it had of if Toji had of left the room, and then Kensuke had have been the one involved with getting Shinji into girls' clothes, we could have had that beautiful scene, and it would have been great. In fact, you know what? I'm not a hundred percent certain of this, but I think earlier on during that sports day festival we saw earlier, where Shinji did the drag race, I'm pretty sure when Shinji comes running out in the girls' clothes, Toji makes a comment of "Who's that cute girl? I've never seen her before." So we kind of did get it now that I think about it. The prof went in one <laughs> side. This cute girl came out the other side. Where'd the prof go? Was Prof in there alone with that cute girl, and then she went running away? Oh, Prof, you get all the girl! Um, that does seem like something that we didn't see the entirety of, but probably did happen. You know what, I'm okay with it. Anyways, so, Shinji is doing his own thing, and by his own thing, I mean wearing girls' clothes, and getting ready to perform in his musical set. So, they go to the, like, backstage area, and start to do their warm-up uh, when Mana kicks down the door and she's like, yo, you fucks, 
we gotta go, we gotta perform. And she's like, don't we have more time? And she's like, nah, another band dropped out. We're up right fucking now. And she's like, but I need to change clothes. And Mana's like, no, you fucking don't, you little cutie. Get up on stage. And so they get up on stage. We're an all-girls band now. And they perform. And everybody loves them. And they make lots of new friends. They don't make any new friends. Yeah, they would have been the best band, but unfortunately it was in the contract that the band was going to uh, break up afterwards. Yeah, exactly. So they start preparing their tour, and then Asuka's like, no, we're breaking up. The band's done. And... Everyone's kind of sad, and Oscar's like, alright, Mana, time for your solo career. And Mana's like, you know what? Instead of a solo career, why don't I do a couple duets with Shinji? And then Asuka murders someone. Not Shinji or Mana, just like, she goes home, she starts wandering the streets, she finds a lonely man, and she just murders him. There's a serious, like, criminal investigation for the rest of the volumes. Yeah. But that's the end of uh, this volume. Uh, with the exception of the special events of these were the things that were going on during the Culture Fest, as previously mentioned. Yeah, pretty much just the characters we didn't see, so we get to see what happened with Gendo and a few others. Gendo's really the only notable one. Yeah, it's Gendo uh, repeatedly trying to find Shinji's classroom, uh, and having every single girl he talked to running away screaming. Including Shinji! Shinji. He, He talks to Shinji thinking Shinji's just a cute little girl. And then Shinji not only uh, avoids him, but also points him directly away from Shinji's classroom, um, which is smart of him, if I'm being honest. Um, Asuka has to like walk around the school, uh, around the school, carrying the cosplay cafe sign so that everyone knows to come looking for them. Uh, she takes Shinji with him, and Shinji gets a lot more attention, and that upsets Asuka. Um, and then. Kaede, I think, is, uh, I think it's Kaede, uh, is talking about looking after the school and seeing a home. She's like, uh, these girls aren't gonna scare me, I'm here to protect these girls. And then, uh, a very creepy man approaches her and asks where Shinji's classroom is, and she starts running the fuck away. Uh, I think, uh, you're talking about Ibuki. Ibuki, yes, you're right, sorry. Um, and then we also see Shinji returns, uh, Kirishima's outfit. And she smells it, and she's like, oh, it smells like Shinji. And then, uh, people get mad at her. And by people, I mostly mean Asuka and a little bit Ray. You know, uh, as, as of the, the, the Shinji peel, like, getting peeled back essentially here in this volume, I'm starting to think Mana might be the best match in this, in this version of Shinji. Honestly, yeah. Shinji has made it clear that he, like, it's been become very clear over the course of this chapter, or volume in particular, that, um... Asuka's right, 100% of the time. <laughs> well, we already knew that. Asuka, <laughs> yeah. Asuka also knows that. Asuka also knows that. But, like, it's just, before it was something we just suspected but couldn't know for sure. After this chapter, very clear, Asuka's right. Shinji deserves to have the shit kicked out of him. Uh, and realizing who, what kind of person Shinji is, uh, Mana might actually be the best match. You're right. Uh, and the last one of those little bonus what's going on with this character is Kyoko. Uh, slept through the entire five-day culture um, she wakes up and's like, oh, right, today's the last day of the culture festival. I was gonna go. And then Yu's like, uh, you were gonna go, but it's over now. You're too late. Um, so that's that. Also, we find out at the same time as Kyoko's realizing that the culture festival is over, uh, back at the school, Genda's still trying to ask people where Shinji's classroom is. And he never found it, which some, is probably some say he's still looking for this until this day. Probably for the best. So, that is this volume. Good times. Uh, I would say this is definitely, even though Shinji got some weird choices in it, one of the stronger volumes of it. Like, it's definitely up there with volume 8. See, I would say it's a good volume, but the Culture Festival happening ruined it for me. That's fair. I, I have nothing but negative feelings in this chapter, so... Understandable. I did find it very funny that this was the one you dis- decided I am not calling festival anymore. Yeah. The, like, I, because I think I had made another prediction, like, a couple chapters ago, where I decided not to predict Culture Festival, and then Culture Fest didn't happen, and I was like, oh, that's good. Something did happen, and I was like, man, I probably could have 
partial credit if I did say Culture Festival, but I didn't say Culture Festival, and that's a shame. Um, the, yeah, no, 100% that did happen. We were When we were talking about, I forget what volume it was, but there was a volume where I didn't predict Culture Festival, and then while we were doing my evaluation of my prediction, I was like, honestly, I probably could have gotten more points if I had a predicted Culture Festival. Yeah, because it was the sports... Uh... Sports day, that's what it was. Uh, and then I go back to predicting Culture Festival again, and then I decide to stop predicting Culture Festival, and the actual fucking Culture Festival happens. It's getting to the point where I might just default back to predicting a Culture Festival, because every time I don't predict a Culture Festival, I come to the conclusion I would have gotten more points if I had a predicted a Culture Festival. Won't get blindsided by the Secret Culture Festival. Yeah. I mean, we've had the school's culture festival. There's still going to be one at fucking Artificial Evolution Labs at Bennett Culture Festival. Ah, the Lab Festival. Yep. Yeah. I Honestly, it was an enjoyable uh, volume. Uh, as I already mentioned, I, I don't know if I made this clear or not, but I took offense to some of Shinji's actions in this chapter. Up until this point, I've mostly been along the lines of he's just... He has harem powers, obviously... But he doesn't know about it and isn't using them intentionally, so I gave him the benefit of the dote. He no longer gets any dote. Uh, he has no benefits from them. It's 100% Shinji knows about his harem powers and is using them intentionally every moment from now on, even if he pretends like it's an accident. Shinji it was used on purpose. Shinji is uh, a menace and a pervert and a problem. And hopefully we deal with him by the end of this series. <laughs> Holy volumes left. In any case, it was enjoyable. So I think it's about time to wrap up this episode. So, of course, as always, uh, please follow the podcast. These episodes go up every Wednesday on YouTube and all podcast platforms. So like, favorite, subscribe, review, leave a comment, share it with a friend. Word of mouth definitely helps spreading that out. If you have any questions for us, you can always send us an email at whatismypodcastabout at gmail.com. On top of that, we have the Instagram page, Fairway Evangelion, where we update the little facts about the series you go through, tidbits, storylines, just little fun things to interact with we also do uh, polls every so often on the weekends there as well and we're pretty quick at getting response back to you when you reach out to us there and of course as always on volume 11 of the shiji akari raising project what can we expect peter all right well first of all very obviously there's going to be another culture festival uh so that's the first thing that's going to happen the second thing that's going to happen uh karu is going to make a reappearance and he's going to make out with shinji uh, Shinji may or may not be conscious, unfair, or not unfair, but unable to say for certain. And last but not least, there will certainly be plenty of fan service. 